Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 40 of the Stomp the Bus show. I am your host, Mark Harris, coming at you solo today since Colton has some other things he has to do and coming at you audio only today because the Microsoft Surface Pro X, uh, their webcams have literally just stopped working for everyone who has one, and I'm not even making that up. You can look it up. Uh, I... Figure that out the hard way, trying to set this up this afternoon, which is really annoying. So thanks a lot, Bill Gates. But yeah, so just audio only. Uh, Going to have a short show today. Not a whole lot going on in ASU world, but I did want to touch on some stuff, starting with the ASU baseball team. Um, even if they don't get in to the NCAA tournament, uh, which I think the selection show is on Monday... Or uh, I don't know exactly when the selection show is. I think it's it's either Sunday or Monday, but uh, that doesn't really matter. If they don't get in, this will still be a successful season for ASU. But the reason I'm starting uh, starting off this episode with them is because it looks like they very much will get into the NCAA baseball tournament. Um, they finished the season this past weekend with a series win over UCLA beating them two to one in the final game. And that clinched a 32 and 23 regular season record for ASU. And that doesn't sound that impressive because I mean, you're nine games over 500. It's not, you know, you're a bubble tournament team, but the year before ASU baseball went 26 and 32 so literally last year, you had the same exact number of losses that you have wins this year. Uh, that is marked real improvement uh, by Willie Bloomquist. I mean, there were six and 17 on the road last year. That is, that's tough. Um, and they're not, nine and 13 this year, which again, isn't amazing, but it's way more closer to uh, 500 than six and 17. So anyway, they have a real shot of making the NCAA tournament. And I just want to congratulate the team on that. We haven't talked a ton about ASU baseball on the show. Um, they've done a good job of beating the teams they're supposed to beat. They don't have a lot of just eyesore losses, went on the road and swept Wazoo, beat all three games against UC Davis. You know, these aren't amazing, incredible things, but these were things that the Tracy Smith era teams did not do. They weren't, they didn't just take care of business and it's help. It's going to help ASU because they really faded in the month of May. They, they were, they lost two of three at Oregon. They were swept at home by Stanford who granted the best team in the league, but you still don't want to get swept. And then the following weekend, they were swept on the road at USC. So, they had a stretch there from April 28th to May 14th where they went one and eight, one and eight. That's really bad. But because they didn't have all these dumb losses, they didn't lose games that they should have won. They're able to withstand that. You beat Grand Canyon 13 to 10 on a Tuesday. Win at UNLV, beat Grand Canyon again. I'm, I'm looking through the, uh, back of the schedule. They had a game against North Dakota State that they eked by. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, 
Oh, they did. Yes. March 1st beat, <laughs> beat North Dakota state 10 to nine. You know, that's being a team like North Dakota state by just one run. Isn't that impressive at all, but you avoid the loss and to their credit, ASU did uh, reel off some good series wins. They beat Oregon state two out of three times beat UCLA, like I just mentioned. And then uh, at the end of March, they swept U of A. So just a solid improvement, you know, and they had, you know, they had two guys on the all-conference team. Luke Kieschel has been an incredible transfer for this team. Uh, New Contradas as a freshman has been great too, along with Isaiah Jackson. Then you have other guys, Nick, Nick McLean, Brian Campos chipping in. Uh, and they've been able to overcome a, you know, mediocre pitching staff. And this is where they are. Uh, Pac-12 tournament just wrapped up today for them. Uh, due to tiebreakers, they won't be moving on further in the Pac-12 tournament. But it looks like they did enough to secure a bid in the uh, baseball big dance, so to speak. They started on uh, Tuesday Losing to U of A at Scottsdale Stadium, 12 to 3. Not a good game at all. There's really no dancing around it. Really bad way to start the tournament. But earlier today on Thursday, May 25th, with their backs up against the wall figuratively for the tournament, they beat Oregon State 14 to 10. And it wasn't a necessarily a pretty game. ASU got off to a 6-1 lead and gave up four runs in the fifth, 6-5. But they scored eight runs over the next three innings to mostly put it away, even though, again, they gave up five runs in the last two innings of the game. So, you know, nobody, nobody is expecting a national championship run from this ASU baseball team, but it is very good to almost certainly get back to the tournament after the end of the Tracy Smith era. And then last year, it, it, it had been a while, you know, it had been a good five years. I'm guesstimating, and for ASU baseball, that's unacceptable to happen. I mean, maybe it wasn't a full five years, but just it shouldn't be. A, you should never miss the NCAA baseball tournament multiple years as ASU baseball. This is this is the one sport where you're really at ASU. You're really set up to be a national championship contender on a consistent basis. Or let me. This is the one um, high level team sport. I'll say because I know ASU has national championships and other areas but in terms of the sports that people uh really care about um i'd say asu baseball is probably leads the list in terms of national championship realistic national championship uh hopes and maybe you could throw softball down there as a solid number two in that but um it's a good way to end the season it really is you know Things they needed to win this game against Oregon State earlier today. That I, I don't think that can be noted enough because they coming into the week and all the conferences are having their conference tournaments right now. So it's basically like the end of the college basketball season where you finish up the regular season, you have the conference tournament prior to the national uh, NCAA tournament, right? And teams can clinch their berth in or they can use it to uh, enhance their status prior to the actual tournament starting. And so this is kind of, it's, honestly, this is a similar situation as to what the men's basketball team was in 
Although I think ASU is a little bit uh, better regarded. Um, and in Baseball America's mock projected field of 64, they had ASU as a number three seed in the uh, Arkansas region, which that would be a fun, that would be a fun uh, trip, but I will, I will not be making it to Fayetteville for an ASU baseball game, but that would be fun. Um, and the three seeds are basically, this is the equivalent of like a 10, 11 seed, 12 seed that makes it in the NCAA tournament, but doesn't get the automatic bid, right? So it's not like a team from a, a smaller conference. All the four seeds are, uh, you know, Central Connecticut State, Fairfield is, we remember Fairfield as ASU baseball fans, sadly. Uh, so it looks like you've done enough. It looks like you've done enough. And that whatever happens in the regional is gravy to me because this is, I think you're really building towards the third year with Willie Bloomquist. And he added some additions in the transfer portal last year that have helped out most notably uh, Luke Kieschel, who hit another two-run bomb today. I mean, he's he's really been just so valuable for this team. And, you know, you have a chance, most likely. So it's it just goes to show you that when you make, like, when you make good um non-mind-bending hires for your major sports it actually works out a lot of the times you know hiring Willie Bloomquist isn't some thinking outside the box hire you know it's not like you hired Bobby Valentine or <laughs> you know, some other obscure major league baseball manager we're going to teach him the right way the major league baseball way and then of course they wouldn't be able to recruit uh, and do all the other things that are more relevant to a college job. Meanwhile, you get Willie Bloomquist, who played at ASU, played in the majors. Clearly, the kids seem to like him uh, to a you know decent level, at least, because that wasn't always the case, especially in this Tracy Smith area. Um, so it's 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 looking good. There's you know there's there's definitely not a guarantee that ASU baseball will make the tournament, but. You have a 32-23 and 23 finish to the regular season. You split in the Pac-12 tournament. And by by doing that, you, you basically erase any sort of idea that, like, you, your chances haven't gotten worse because of that, you know. So if you had gone 0-2 against Arizona and Oregon State, that, that would be really bad. Um, I probably – I would be singing a different tune right now. Uh, but it looks like going 1-1 one – should be enough. One more little side tangent I have. And I know that the, the Pac-12 has to space out these games throughout the day at the conference baseball tournament. But man, you have both ASU games start at 10 a.m. That's ridiculous. I mean, look, there are people who could probably go to that game, but 10 a.m. is so early and maybe there's just nothing they can do because they have to pack three games in a day but why don't you have the home team or one of the home teams i guess uh the team with the most close by fans that which would be asu maybe you have them play later in the day so more people can actually go to the game instead of 10 a.m on a weekday very annoying i was planning on going to one of these games um but the fact that they were at 10 a.m is absolutely you know, ridiculous in my opinion, but I do say that with the caveat of they have to schedule them 
throughout the day. So it's <laughs> maybe there's nothing they could do, but just they should have changed where ASU was playing because they could have gotten more fans there. But, you know, the Pac-12 is going to Pac-12 in terms of scheduling related things. They don't always have the pulse on the optimal way to schedule things. So hopefully by the time, uh, you know, this time next week, ASU knows what it's going to do in terms of its uh, postseason fate in baseball and we can enjoy them. You know, hopefully they can advance from the regional. That would be really awesome. And, you know, with the way this team hits, it's not completely out of the question. I wouldn't necessarily bet on it or pick it, but you know, crazy things happen. So we shall see. Uh, wanted to touch on some kind of ASU football news and notes. Not a whole lot happened in the past week. Uh, of course, Troy, okay, I'm going to mess up his name. I need to find out exactly what his name is. Uh, the cornerback from Texas who committed while we were live on our last show. And his name is... Oh, there we go. Troy Lewis Nakuba uh, from the Dallas area. Four-star on Rivals, three-star on 24-7. So... Like we mentioned, that's a good pickup. Uh, anytime you get high level, high level three stars and the four stars on your team, that's awesome. And it continues the Texas uh, recruiting pattern for ASU. Then over the weekend, ASU got a commitment from three star linebacker Albert Smith the third from. Oh, I'm going to mispronounce this. Ponchatoula, Louisiana. First team all district that says on his Twitter account. So another good pickup, you know, these are the types of guys you need to get just solid players. Um, it's interesting that so far, so many of the guys committed to ASU are, uh, you know, there's probably a good four or five from Texas. And then this guy, Albert Smith from Louisiana. So they are recruiting like the the South, like the the legitimate, you know, the South. And hey, I I trust the three star linebacker from Louisiana more than I do from uh, Arizona or California. But you know, I could be reading way more into that than necessary. So anyway, you know, even if it doesn't amount to anything, it's still good recruit and happy for this kid and his family. And then. Um, we get also over the weekend, uh, Canyon Floyd, which is an awesome name. Uh, he is a five-star kicker and punter from Scottsdale, and he's committed to ASU. And I listened to an interview with him, uh, with Jordy Ham with Arizona Sports 360. Did a great job on the podcast. One of the reasons he mentioned going to ASU is because they uh, have a legitimate history with producing NFL kickers and punters recently. And he's not wrong. You know, you got Zane Gonzalez, Matt Hack. First two that come to mind. We've had other high-level kickers. Uh, Michael Ruiz, remember that him from a few years ago. I think he went to Mississippi State. but uh, And he also mentioned the wet being ideal for kicking and punting, which makes sense. So another good pickup. And, you know, it's I get it. It's a kicker or a punter, but... In college football, those positions can swing games a lot. I mean, they swing games in the NFL, but they really do in college football when some of the kickers are just 
frankly, just terrible. Uh, and some of the punters aren't great either. And, you know, anyone watching this or listening to this knows the importance of field position uh, in football. So that is good. Something not so good. It's kind of, kind of weird. Uh, we talked about Corey Roberson transferring, transferring in from Oklahoma last week. Well, he tweets today, I am so blessed. So that's four O's. So blessed to have recruited by some of the most prestigious programs in the country. I know I had to only pick one. With that being said, I'm decommitting from Arizona State, committing to Southern Methodist University. Uh, so clearly he was never fully committed if he, you know, decommits a week later. And I mean, look, good, good for him. It's just this kind of goes back to our conversation of don't announce anything unless it is set in stone. You know, I, I don't know why, like if you're a player, I don't know why you would tweet out, Hey, I'm going to go to this place when you're not a hundred percent sure. I mean, look, reading between the lines and this is not, you know, sourced or anything. This is just me speculating. Seems like someone from SMU saw that he committed to ASU and was like, oh, we're just going to offer you more NIL money, which and SMU is, you know, the one group of five school that has gobs of NIL money. So that's most likely what happened. Maybe he just used uh, committing to ASU as leverage to get more money from SMU, but um, just kind of weird how it's just like a seven day commitment. But Corey Roberson, uh, we hardly knew ye and go do good things at SMU. All right, one last thing. So there's all sorts of conference realignment chatter in the college football sports media world. And an interesting headline, uh, you know, came across my Twitter feed yesterday, and it's from Barry Trammell, the sports columnist for the Oklahoma Sports, which is the uh, premier newspaper in Oklahoma City. So this guy is a lot more connected than your average Joe on Twitter. Uh, some guy hosting a podcast. Cough, cough. That might be me right now. <laughs> Actually, I had to cough there. Anyway, Trammell knows what he's talking about uh, for the most part. And he has an article that... Uh, Trammell's scissor tails. Is Colorado close to leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12? Signs say yes. Uh, I'm going to read the first two sentences of his article on the Oklahoman. Colorado joined the Big 7 Conference in 1948 and stayed through various iterations for, for 62 years. Could the Buffaloes be coming back? A Big 12 source told me last week that Colorado is ready to commit to joining the Big 12, quote, soon. And so... One thing uh, raised some suspicions for me, I guess, when it's news about Colorado, but it's coming from a Big 12 source. So is there an administrator? Is it Brett Yormark himself telling Barry Trammell that, hey, like, we think Colorado's in the bag. Like, we think they're going to jump from the Pac-12. But then I see the tweet from Barry Trammell. And it, it reads, will Colorado be the first domino to fall in the Pac-12? 
one Big 12 coach says yes. Okay, so now we're, um, I don't even want to, reporting, um, spreading, spreading rumors sounds a little uh, harsh to describe that, but we are speculating, professionally speculating that Colorado could leave based on what a Big 12 coach says. Um, you know, I, you know, who knows how this is all going to play out and Colorado could very well eventually leave before the Big 12. I'm going to say that right now. So don't misconstrue that. But the fact that this is coming from a freaking coach gives this article almost no legitimacy. I mean, a coach, when, when will people realize that college football coaches have literally zero impact in conference realignment? They have none. Maybe the only one who possibly would is... Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney, and there ain't a Nick Saban or a Dabo Sweeney in the Big 12, uh, with all respect to Mike Gundy. Well, Mike Gundy, the football coach, at least. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But, I mean, give me a break. A big Because a Big 12 coach told you? I mean, I get it. He's, he's asking his, – his article is like – a question is, will, the, will Colorado leave? Question mark. One Big 12 coach thinks it might happen. The coaches are very few people actually know what's going on in all these conference realignment things. It's like the presidents of the schools or the, the athletic directors, even less. And then, you know, the conference commissioners and, the you know, whoever's uh, negotiating on the other side for the TV company or the streaming company. And a coach, coaches leave jobs in college football so quickly. They leave after one year. And so why would, why would the university of Colorado listen to a coach? Why would they listen to Dion on where they would go? I mean, I'm sure Dion, Dion might want to go to the big 12. Do you think they're just going to be like, Oh, we'll, we'll go to the big 12 strictly because Dion wants to, you know, <laughs> sure. He may leave for FSU in two years, but you know, he, we got to go to the big 12 now because Dion wants to, it's like, no, that's how it works. And it's the same with whatever Big 12 school this is. If uh, one Big 12 coach is a big, if Chris Kleiman from Kansas State, you know, thinks, oh, Colorado might be coming. I'm sorry. I just don't, I just don't believe the coach on that. You know, maybe if this had been titled one Big 12 athletic director or one Big 12 president said yes. Okay. I mean, that, that would be a legitimate, like, newsworthy topic in my opinion but a coach I, I just I just don't understand why we're leaning on the opinions of coaches during conference realignment that is my that is my thesis here because they don't know they don't know Kenny Dillingham does not have a any idea where ASU football will be playing you know it's in two years, let's just say, if the Pac-12 blows up and this is the last year and then, then you know, the 2024 season would be their first year in the Big 12. He doesn't know that. And neither does this Big 12 coach. And I, I don't know. I mean, again, this could all sound so dumb. This could sound so dumb if Colorado and it looks like the other schools, Arizona, quickly leave for the Big 12. 
But the fact that this art, this it's coming from a coach, this is a coach's opinion. That just makes that just makes me believe less that Colorado is going to go to the Big 12. A coach, I, I've, I've, I'm sound like Allen Iverson. We're talking about practice. We're talking about a coach. I mean, I just that's like I, I could go with so many, many, yeah, so many analogies right now. But oh yeah, we we got a Big Twelve coach thinking that Colorado could leave. I that just doesn't add up. That's not how it works. This isn't a coach speculating on who they might get from the transfer portal or something. I mean, yeah, I don't know. And Rick George's previous Colorado AD has previously mentioned that. They don't plan on leaving. Again, that doesn't mean they won't. That doesn't mean they won't. But I'm going to need a lot more uh, evidence, I guess, to actually believe that. Um, so that doesn't directly relate to ASU, but it kind of does. Because if Colorado leaves the Big 12, that does change things very much for ASU. Um, but... It, 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 it's one of those things like this could very well happen. It could, it could very well happen, but it won't happen for this reason. It won't. I really doubt the coach has like inside knowledge of why it'll happen. So anyway, again, that could be proven wrong. I'm going to say that for the third time on here, but we shouldn't listen to coaches when it comes to college football conference realignment. That is my final thought on this. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And uh, you're only listening because you can't watch me because my freaking laptop and Microsoft decided to not have the webcam working. I have no idea how to fix it. So this is just going to be an audio only edition. But like I said, thank you for listening. Uh, I don't know the next time we'll be back. It almost certainly won't be next week because I will be out of town and Colton is planning his wedding. So not exactly the best time. And I, you know, as I, as I say right now, it probably means there's going to be some big news that happens in between now and uh, two weeks from now. But until then, um, please uh, rate and review, like, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at the uh, stomp the bus pod on Twitter. And yeah, that is it. Thank you for listening.